Hello, Internet, and welcome to the Sky Simplified podcast, exploring astronomy through a different perspective, one episode at a time. My name is Pranet Sharma, and I am a high school junior, as well as an absolute lover of everything astronomy. With me today, I have Dr. Patrick Truehart, the assistant head of the Astronomy and Astrophysics Lab at the North Carolina Museum of Natural Sciences, or NCMNS. And today's episode is all about exploring astronomy through the perspective of an astrophysicist. If this is your first time here, please make sure to subscribe to this podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts, and please rate us. The best thing that you can do for this podcast is to share it around, so please let your family, friends, postman, neighbors, grocer, plumber, teacher, professor, anyone who you talk to know about this podcast. Now that we've gotten all of that out of the way, it is time to begin. So sit back, relax, and enjoy the ride. So let's get started on today's topic, exploring astronomy through the eyes of an astrophysicist. Dr. Schwartz, welcome to the show. We're glad to have you on. Let's take a minute, and if you want to share with the listeners about your research interests and a little bit about the Astronomy and Astrophysics Lab at NCMNS. Sure. Uh, so I'm interested in galaxies, uh, specifically spiral galaxies. So I study uh, galaxy morphology and dynamics which means I'm interested in the shapes and forms and structures that make up galaxies and the internal processes that go on that produce those shapes that we see. Yeah, and so the research lab at the Museum of Natural Sciences is just a visible lab space where you can see researchers and volunteers doing, doing their work. Yeah, that's really cool. Um, just listeners, a little tidbit, that's how I got involved, that's how I got to know Dr. Truart by being a volunteer at the lab and NCMNS. So thank you, I'm really excited to get this perspective on astronomy, because I feel like the best way to learn more about the field is to talk to somebody who's an expert in it. So to discuss this topic, I've kind of curated a series of questions about your journey through astrophysics, as well as some questions for listeners to get a better grasp on the subject, kind of through your perspective. So let's begin. Um, so the objective of my blog is to make astronomy easy to understand. So if you were to break, you know, astrophysics and galaxy morphology, topics that laymen may not find very intuitive, how would you go about doing so? Well, I think I think you have to start out very basically. Um, I think, you know, you have to you have to make things relatable to, to people's kind of everyday lives. And so uh, thankfully, astronomy is one of these subjects where you can make things somewhat relatable. Uh, you know, it's obviously much harder when you talk about like quantum quantum mechanics and things like that. Yeah. But uh, but people 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 have experience to seeing things outside some astronomy, but then also you know kind of everyday kind of physics things as well. So so you can make things relatable in astronomy that way, just by kind of relating things to everyday everyday events that people see. Um, and so like galaxies, for instance, there it it's a little it's a little harder to kind of make that as a whole more relatable because these are just physical giant physical objects that you know have no real good comparison but you can but when you break down like galaxies themselves to you know physical processes and and things like that i think you could make you can make the entire you can make bits and pieces of galaxies a little more relatable to people um i think another way and we've done it in the museum as well is kind of comparing the spirals and galaxies to spirals in real life that people can tangibly see and, you know, I think that does work quite well. 
um, with breaking down the more difficult concepts into something easier to understand. Um, so how about um, basically like just astrophysics as a whole? If you had to you know, almost sum it up in a few words to somebody who had no idea what the science was, how would you do that? Sure. Uh, yeah, astrophysics, it's, it's basically, I mean, astronomy and astrophysics, they are pretty much the same thing. Uh, it's a, except I think the only difference between astronomy and astrophysics is that astronomy kind of also deals with like the locations of objects in the sky. Uh, which astrophysics doesn't really touch upon. Astrophysics is more understanding, you know, the physical processes that produce thing, phenomena we see or can yeah. observe. Um, I think basically, if we had to sum it up, you basically say that astronomy is the what and astrophysics is the how. So astronomy is just going to talk about the phenomena themselves and astrophysics is going to explain how those phenomena occur in the first place. Yeah, I think, th I think that's true. Uh, but yeah, astrophysics basically talks about how and why why things why things occur and why you know why we see them the way they are yeah agreed um so what did your journey to becoming an astrophysicist look like um like how did you get initially interested in the topic and what did basically like your education look like it's kind of it's kind of what you hear about like with scientists right i mean it, unfortunately it's not it's not super dramatic <laughs> with with my with my journey um uh, i mean cuz as a kid i've always loved science i've always loved all kinds of science yeah. Um, I just, I just didn't have a, like a real good direction. I mean, I loved ants. I loved dinosaurs. I loved yeah. space. Yeah. You know, all, like all, all the standard kind of things that kids like. Um, and then it wasn't until like high school when, uh, when we started taking more specific kind of science classes. Mm -hmm. Uh, cause you know, before that you would just take kind of general science, like yeah. physical science and things like that, where you learn about the earth and then some space and things like that. But uh, it wasn't until until high school when we started taking specific sciences, so like biology, chemistry, physics, mm -hmm. you know, just started really breaking it out. Then I realized I didn't like biology because it was too much memorization. Yeah, I enjoyed chemistry more because it was um, there was more math involved. Mm -hmm. uh, although it did seem kind of ad hoc, it wasn't yeah. like like at least at that level, like the math the math was just kind of this will explain it. Yeah, rather than like. You can use the math to explain something, and that's that's where that's what I took physics. I realized that you can actually use the math to kind of derive things, mm -hmm. and uh, and I just found that fascinating. And then then I took uh, an astronomy elective, and I realized that it was just basically physics in space. Yeah, and so I was hooked. Uh, and so so luckily, I kind of figured out that that's what I wanted to do, uh, like in high school already. Mm -hmm. uh, so basically, I think it was my junior senior year of high school, mm -hmm. and. Um, so then I just started looking at schools that offered degrees in, like, physics. Uh, basically, I looked at schools that de offered degrees kind of in astronomy, or at least, you know, like, specializations in astronomy. Yeah. Because um, I knew I wanted to do physics, but I was hoping I could, like, do astronomy as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, so I grew up in outside of Detroit, Michigan. Mm -hmm. And really, the two schools I was looking at was uh, Michigan State University, like the Honors College there, which I heard which was supposed to be very good. And and also a school in New Mexico called the New Mexico Institute of Mining and Technology, mm -hmm. uh, and I ended up going to New Mexico nice. <laughs> for my undergrad. So I, actually, I did I did my first two years at community college, and then uh, and then I did my last two years at at the school in this tiny school in New Mexico. Honestly, it was a shock all around. I mean, you know, I grew up in a big metropolitan area, yeah, and then I moved to a town that was had a larger student population than I think probably like overall population of the wow. town. I mean, it was 80 miles south of Albuquerque, mm -hmm. uh, kind of kind of in the middle of nowhere. So, I mean, yeah. 
you know, I had driven through the Southwest as a kid with my parents, but I've never actually like lived there. Right. Um, so it was like different culture, different size town, uh, being away from home, going to school. It was, yeah. it was all brand new. And yeah, yeah, it was, it was a little crazy. It was, uh, it was an interesting experience. It was a good experience for me. I think, I think it was, I think it paid off. Uh, and it was a fantastic school to be honest too. It was, it was really, really good school. It was the first time I've ever seen stars from horizon to horizon. It was oh. the darkest skies I've ever seen because, yeah. you know, metropolitan Detroit, you could barely see anything. Yeah. I mean, you could see like Orion yeah. and that was pretty much it. But yeah, I, I, I had never seen stars from horizon to horizon before. That was, that was remarkable. And, uh, yeah, it was just, it was just really amazing. And uh, the other thing I remember too, is that, uh, so in Michigan guys, basically from fall until spring are pretty much cloudy all mm-hmm. the time. Yeah. So you don't get any real direct sunlight. Uh, but man, wintertime, wintertime in New Mexico, you, it was just sunny. And I, yeah. I, I realized at one, at one point that I was wearing sunglasses in December and I had never done that before <laughs> in my life really. Yeah. yeah. That's really crazy. Yeah. Um, I really would like the opportunity at some point to get, you know, as you mentioned, that bowl of a sky, just like horizon to horizon. Um, I think mm-hmm. that's just like absolutely cool and absolutely. Um, yeah. So moving on, um, what would you say kind of, you know, from your perspective, what's the significance of astronomy and astrophysics, right? A lot of people have this argument that we shouldn't be looking to space when we haven't even fixed our problems on Earth. So how would you kind of respond yeah, to that? So, yeah. yeah, yeah. So I, I, I hear that a lot. And I mean, the thing is, it's like the issue with astronomy is that it doesn't address uh, any like immediate problems directly like that people have. So it doesn't, it doesn't address homelessness, for instance, it doesn't address like poverty, things like that. That's, that's for sure. I mean, it doesn't, it doesn't address those directly, but the thing is, is that it does address, you know, some of the basic, uh, some, some basic human needs in, in some way as well. I mean, you know, there's always, you know, people, the, the thing is, is humans, humans are naturally curious kind of animals. And so, you know, people, people want to know, you know, what things are and where things came from. And so there's this natural curiosity and, and astronomy, you know, taps into that. That's what, that's basically what all science is. is we're trying to understand, you know, the, the world and the environment around us. And, and astronomy does that as well. But, and also, I mean, and some indirect things that come out of astronomy too, are, I mean, the things that happen in any science and astronomy too is that everything that's done in these sciences is cutting edge because nothing nothing is being redone really nothing is really you know just kind of proving things that or trying to understand things that people already understand it's always pushing the envelope and so from that i mean we get we get new ideas we get new methodologies we get new technologies mm-hmm. you know i mean that's that's the reason why like artificial intelligence exists that's the reason why you know, different, different new materials exist, things like that. Just because, you know, there's in the beginning, there's no practical use for these, for these ideas and these methodologies, these technologies. But as time goes on, people, people kind of understand what, what the impacts of these things may be in, in different ways. And then this, then it really impacts life as we know it. And so, I mean, one one good example of, of this is, for instance, like the space program, right? <laughs> when When the Apollo space program was kind of, up, you know, was getting up and running. A lot of people had issues with that. Is like, why, why are we doing this when it doesn't really impact anything that we have? Mm-hmm. You know, it doesn't impact homelessness, for instance. Yeah. But I mean, the flip side is now, you know, decades later, 
all the technology that was developed for the Apollo space program has impacted pretty much everyday life, at least in the United States. Yeah. I mean, you know, we got Velcro out of it, you know, things like that, yeah. you know, it's, it's things we kind of take for granted that, that is now part of kind of everyday life. Yeah. And so I think, I think that's the issue with not just astronomy, but with science in general is that, yeah. it, you know, in the future, it will impact, impact lives. Right. So science and astronomy in general, they're kind of playing the long game and they're basically securing yeah. a better future for us. And, um, that's kind of the trade-off for when people say, why aren't you working on the problems now? We're securing it so that other problems don't come up in the future. Right. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. So what has been your kind of favorite interaction with other sciences or social sciences? Like, for example, was there like a dissertation or a paper that you read on like an interesting hybridization of astronomy or astrophysics in another field that, you know, you usually wouldn't associate with each other? Yeah. Well, I don't know. I mean, I, I did I did come across a paper, or we did read a paper in graduate school that was interesting. Um, it was it was kind of more like a philosophy, <laughs> uh, but but related to astronomy. And that, uh, I, and I can't I can't remember the author. I think it may have been Oil. I'm not <laughs> not totally sure, uh, but I think and I and I remember the exact date. But I I was like mid to early 1900s, I believe. Yeah. Um, but the 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 interesting thing about the paper was that the author was making the argument that there are very few things left to discover in astronomy. Wow! And that he 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 made the analogy that <clears throat> that there are only so many unique objects, like for instance, in the universe, mm-hmm. right? And and so discovering those, you you will discover many of those early on in astronomy. Mm-hmm. But as time goes on, you just kind of keep rediscovering the same things. And so the analogy he made was like, you have a deck of cards, Mm -hmm. but there are only so many, so many cards uh, in the deck that are like one, you know, ace, one, ace, two, three, four, so on. Right. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and if you take a bunch of deck of cards and you, and you mix them all together, when you start pulling out cards from the deck, every card is going to be unique. Every card is going to be like a new card. Mm -hmm. But as time goes on, you start pulling the same numbers over and over again. Yeah. And it's just different flavors of the same number. <laughs> and, and so he was making the argument that we, that basically at, at that time we were in the de- decline of astronomy and that there are no new, no, nothing new to discover anymore. Wow. Everything, everything has really been discovered and the chances of us discovering anything new are going to be very, very small. And I, I found that to be interesting because, um, because it, I mean, I don't think it's necessarily true, but it did put a good perspective on things and that, you know, because a lot of some things that we that we do find that we think are completely unique. We we then realize that it's just uh, a different way of looking at something that we've already seen before. And so and so that sometimes has happened. Yeah. Uh, so, for instance, like we have uh, like neutron stars and pulsars. Right. Mm-hmm. And. At, at one point, people thought that they were separate separate things, but now we realize, oh, okay, it's the same thing. It's just the orientation of the neutron star yeah. uh, gives you a pulsar, right? And so, so that's an example of one of these things that have kind of been rediscovered, even though initially we thought they were two unique objects. They aren't. Mm-hmm. But, you know, there are other things, you know, that keep popping up. Uh, there are other things that we've, you know, they're newly discovered, and that, that's really because of how technology has progressed. Um, so if you, if you, st- if you stick with with, you know, the technology, let's say, in the 1950s, right, then, then yeah, maybe your discovery is going to be more limited. But the thing is, with astronomy and science, uh, you know, again, we're always pushing the envelope, and, and that also means, you know, our detectability, you know, our detectors are, are, 
getting better and better. And, you know, so like recently, you know, somewhat recently we've discovered the cosmic microwave background radiation, mm-hmm. which, you know, nobody ever thought of before. Right. Yeah. And that was, that, that was kind of discovered. We, you know, we discovered how the universe is evolving because of that. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and somewhat recently, uh, we've also, we've also had, uh, gravitational wave detectors come online. Mm-hmm. And as that technology progresses, I, I'm pretty confident we're going to be discovering new things that, I mean, couldn't have been discovered otherwise. Right. So, you know, I, I, I don't, I don't think, I don't think that author was correct. Uh, but it, it was an interesting idea and, yeah. and it really, it, it's a good perspective to think about uh, whether or not it is correct. You know, it's, it's, right. it's worth, it's worth thinking about. I, I thought that was interesting. Yeah, no, that is really interesting. And, you know, with the amount of stuff that we found out about our world, like that argument could kind of be continued to other sciences as well. Like, you know, anatomy, for example, like we've, we basically know everything in the human body in and out. So, you know, people may ask, what's the point of studying it? But the fact remains that things will change as technology develops and we're able to detect, you know, new diseases and we're able to fix them as well. And I think that as we continue, maybe we won't find too much new stuff, but in the stuff that we already have, we'll be able to get a lot more development. Yeah, I yeah. think, yeah. So what, like, seemingly unrelated field would you say is the most essential for the development of astronomy? Or, like, um, what unrelated field do you say is kind of integral for astronomy as a whole? Well, I think, I mean, through the history of astronomy, I think, uh, honestly, I would say, like, material science <laughs> has been pretty, has been pretty, pretty important. I mean, mm-hmm. Just because the way material science works, it's, you know, it's developed, you know, hard drives and data storage. It's developed, you know, lenses and glass and, you know, lightweight materials and things like that, you know, and it's, and all of that is essential for, you know, observational astronomy, for theoretical astronomy, you know, like nowadays, Um, you know, because basically all astronomy is, is either, is, it's, it's work done on computers. or it's work done on telescopes, or it's work being done like to develop instruments. And I think material science is kind of the unsung hero of all of that. <laughs> because, you know, developing better computers, you know, faster computers with more storage space and, fat, you know, better RAM and things like that. I mean, that's all material science. Yeah, you know, developing tel- telescopes and and the instruments. I mean, that's all material science too. I mean, yeah. Telescopes as lightweight and as large as possible. Yeah. I mean, that's you know, that's material science. So I think I think it's really really the backbone that I think a lot of people don't really pay attention to or really talk about for astronomy. You know, just going off of that question, what would you say is your favorite kind of innovation in the recent years about technology or material science with regards to astronomy that has helped us get kind of brand new information that we wouldn't have been able to without it. Well, I mean, I'm partial, I'm partial to the theoretical stuff. So, uh, I mean, I mean, the, the two coolest things that I've seen recently are, uh, one is this simulation called lustrous. And I mean, it's a little older now, but at the time it was, it was amazing because it's this high resolution simulation of the evolution, you know, of a large section of the universe from basically big bang to present. Mm-hmm. And the resolution is so high that, that you could watch individual galaxies form and evolve through, wow. through that simulation. And that, that was, that was remarkable. And, uh, you know, obviously that, that simulation took a long time to run, but, uh, but yeah, I mean, you know, 
doing this 50 years ago would have been unheard of, yeah. you know, and, and now, I mean, again, they were pushing the envelope with this and, and, you know, they've su- subsequently, they've run like, um, another set of simulations like this, but, but I think at the time it was, it was ridiculous. It was, it was amazing. I, I was really surprised by that. It was, it was really cool. Yeah. But then also like the observational side, I find like, um, you know, the gravitational wave detection, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. ba- basically gravitational wave detectors. I mean, that's, that's amazing. Cause that's a, that's a feat in that, uh, you know, it's it's basically. I mean, gravitational waves have been thought of theoretically, right? And and yeah. ever since Einstein kind of predicted them, and I mean, there's been evidence for them and stuff like and things like that. But but to actually create essentially a gravitational wave telescope is <laughs> is amazing, and I, I'm yeah. glad I'm glad I'm alive to be able to see that because that's yeah. that's pretty that's pretty cool. And I, I hopefully you know hopefully as as time goes on, the technology progress even more, and we can yeah. get some really interesting details about how the universe behaves and evolves. I think that'd be yeah. great. Yeah, I agree. Um, me personally, I was personally really impressed. I mean, this maybe wasn't new technology, but the um, interferometer that they made out of the eight, like really big radio telescopes that enabled them to see the black hole for the first time. I thought that was immensely yeah. cool. And it just shows, you know, with that level of cooperation, anything is possible. You know, you're able to see something that you can't see. So I thought that was pretty amazing. Um, yeah, that image was great. Yeah, I, I yeah. do remember that. Yeah, yeah, it was it was absolutely. Um, so I think that's it for our questions. So, is there anything else that you'd like to share with the listeners? Like any message to the students or astronomers who might be listening? Yeah, I mean, if I mean, it just if you have an interest in astronomy, uh, I just like to say, you know, don't don't rule it out as not a potential path because. Yeah. I mean, even even those people who who pursue astronomy, you know, or physics in in college or whatever. I mean, it's not, you know, you don't have to be an astronomer. I mean, if you if you decide that, you know, you don't, you know, you pursue a path in astronomy, but but you decide, okay, well, I don't really want to be an astronomer. I mean, that getting getting a physics degree or or you know, a, an astronomy degree. I mean, is really opens up a lot of doors. I mean, you you learn a lot of skills. Uh, that can be applied to a lot of different fields as well. So, I mean, you know, you, you learn, um, you know, potentially you can learn some like education skills, right? I mean, uh, but also, you know, you learn math, you learn computer, you learn programming and, and work with computers and things like that. So, I mean, there's, you know, there, there are jobs in finance, there are jobs in, you know, emerging technology companies, things like that. So, I mean, it's, it's a, a physics, physics and astronomy. I mean, it's a, I don't know. It's a, I find it to be actually a pretty versatile uh, education path. So, I mean, honestly, if you like solving puzzles, if you like if you like basically strategy and puzzles. I think I think physics and astronomy is, is a good way to go if you're interested in that. Thank you so much for coming on the show, Doctor Schwartz. Um, I hope you listeners are a little bit more enlightened. Um, would you like to plug anything like um, maybe about Spiral Graph or about your website? Yeah, so I mean, if if you're interested in participating in a citizen science project, we have one up and running called uh, Spiral Graph. Which uh, the the basic idea is that we would we need volunteers to identify and trace out spiral arms and in, in, in spiral galaxies. Uh, and so, if you're interested in participating, uh, you can go to uh, a website. It's scistarter.org. It's s c i s t a r t e r dot org. Uh, slash spiral dash graph and uh, there'll be links there to the project and i'll put that link in the description 
call. So listeners, you can find it there too. Um, thank you so much again, Dr. Shore. I really appreciate your time. Um, thank you listeners for listening. And until next time, clear skies. The Sky Simplified Podcast is created, hosted, produced, and edited by Pranet Sharma. The music is by Pranet Sharma. Thank you for listening. And as always, clear skies. <laughs>